I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another uh, fantastic week of Alabama politics this week with uh, Josh Moon and David Person. Oh, it's uh, listen, I think this one's going to be a good one. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think maybe the best ever. So we uh, have uh, Decatur City Councilman and a longtime uh, politician, uh, uh, Billy Jackson, uh, on with us. And uh, he's, uh, he's got some unique insights. There's some unique things happening in, in Decatur, man. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they've got 3M stuff. They had uh, some several stories over the last few years that are that have gone on. And, uh, and, and Billy knows that, that stuff as well as anybody. And it's a good, it's a good hard look at a, at a relatively smallish town in, yeah. in the state I think in and how how the politics works in a place like that a place that is very very diverse um, you know you don't you don't get a lot of, a, a lot of places like Decatur but um, uh, before we get started because uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into the uh, the story about uh, Richie Horton and uh, his missing hundred thousand dollars from his campaign account that apparently nobody's ever going to investigate um, but hmm. uh, we, we one of the things we wanted to do yeah, because we've encouraged people to to write reviews um, uh, uh, for this for the podcast and and to do so, the, you know, you can do it at Apple Podcasts uh, and and we, we rate the show and you can leave a little review. And so one of the things we wanted to do to reward the people who have left reviews is we're going to start reading some of these and uh, every single one of them are going to be just things that say Josh is the world's worst, but David's okay. David's great, and whoever does production is wonderful. Uh, so let's. Uh, David has our first our first re- uh, review here. So go yeah. ahead, David. Yeah, this one comes from uh, Chris from Alabama, and uh, Chris says I love Alabama, even though it drives me crazy. And these guys do too. While they are often critical, they are like Coach Saban when he is coaching a player. He yells and tells the player he is effing up because he knows they can do better. Keep telling us we can be better, guys. No, it's bad. And people do often say that I remind them of Coach Saban. Oh, is it, um, is it, is it yeah, the hairstyle? They, is it the well, hairstyle? yeah, I, I think uh, I think that and the abusive attitude. Uh, so it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're both kind you, of you, you go yeah. around telling people that they're effing up. Is that what you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're both we're both kind of assholes that people can't help but like. You know, it's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yeah. Say, I don't know if you've heard this, but Saban uh, Saban told a uh, a great story about his. Uh, it, it was a completely phony story uh, about his his wife, and uh, she was dating a guy in high school. And there's, there's video, there's a video of this. Now, he told her at some banquet or something. She was dating a guy in high school and she'd never give him the time of day and all this. And finally, uh, his team beat her boyfriend's team. And, you know, he was just an old country boy with dirt under his fingernails working in his day's gas station and stuff. And, um, and then, you know, he finally got her and they, they got married and, um, you know, he became the coach at Alabama, this ultra successful guy. And they held a Nick Saban day for him in town. And they went back to the town. And lo and behold, the old boyfriend is on and running a gas station. And uh, he said, uh, see there, if you'd have married him, you that's where you'd be right now. And she said, bullshit, if I'd married him, he'd be the head coach at Alabama right now. So. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, That's good for yeah. Us. All right, uh, and uh, you know, I, I tell you this. I, I saw your uh, one other thing I was going to mention before we get into this. I saw your post about the uh, the Hawks and uh, uh, Trey. Uh, oh, Trey man, Young. Trey Young. Um, dude's getting it done, man. Um, man, I was he's incredible. He I was a complete incredible. whiff on on him. Um, I uh, I thought that he would not be as good as he is, um, and in in the pros in the NBA, I thought he took too many shots in college. Mm. Uh, didn't have a high, didn't have a high enough percentage, uh, and that ultimately he would be just a 
you know, uh, a wing guy, you know, somebody off the bench somewhere. I never thought he would be what he has turned into. Well, I got to say, I, I'm not a, now I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big Hawks fan, but Mm -hmm. I am a Trey Young fan. That young man is phenomenal. And he's, he started, I thought he started showing promise his first year. And, and, and this season, I mean, he has just been remarkable. I, I don't, it's like, you know, you know, as somebody who used to, you know, play a lot of pickup games and stuff like that, he's one of those cats too. I look at him, I'm like, how do you stop somebody like that? You know, he yeah. can shoot he can shoot from 30, 35, 40 feet and hit, mm-hmm. you know, with some with regularity. He's got a, a floater. How do you he's only six one, I think. He's yeah. got a floater that, you know, again. You know, he's got a great handle. What do you do with a guy like that? I just don't, I don't know. know. He's quick. I don't Yeah, what I don't do know do? either. I'll tell you this, though. If he shows up at the gym and starts shooting those from, you know, near half court out there, everybody on the floor is going to hate him. Yeah. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Come on. Pass the ball. We're all trying to get some exercise. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, – but it, he's, he's great, man. And no fear whatsoever. And uh, the, the play at the end of games – you know, they have won – if I'm not mistaken, they've won six games on the road in the playoffs mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Um, including the game seven at, at Philly uh, that they won. Uh, and and there is at the end of those games, there is no quitting that dude. I mean, and there's no fear whatsoever. No, man. He does. He's, he, he's not. He stepped to that line, uh, you know, last night to hit those free throws, put them up, and it was uh, it was something like it was, he was shooting free throws in the first quarter. He's got that same thing that Kobe Bryant and. Um... Stephen Curry, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. There are only a handful of players that have that thing where when it comes, they're like uh, sociopaths when it comes to shooting. They literally have yeah. no conscience. They're just going to yeah. shoot. They don't have any fear. They don't have mm-hmm. any conscience. They're just going to do it. And in their cases, in all the cases I named, they also have the incredible ability to make the ball go in. It's just yeah, amazing. Man, it's, it's just yeah, amazing. It's, well, He's you know, you know, David, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And, and well, you know, and that is actually true. I what, what Jordan said that, right? Didn't Jordan say yeah. that, or somebody said that? Yeah, somebody said that. Uh, I, I tell you, man. I, uh, the only other thing I'll mention this, and we'll move on. But the, the 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 only thing that I wish had not happened in these NBA playoffs is I wish Kevin Durant slash shot had not been in the air ball. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big KD fan. Uh, I don't like the way he's handled his career. Uh, but I mean, the way that dude played in those two games, um, and, and what he did and hitting that shot to, to, you know, that was an inch away from basically them winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame that that last shot was, was an air ball the way, the way he had played. He, he deserved a little better than that, but, uh, he was worn out and, you know, at that point and, uh, that's, that's all he could get, but it's, man, it's been a good playoffs. Uh, it has, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, well, I'll say this, the last couple of, uh, rounds have been, have been good. Uh, the, those two games uh, with Philly and Atlanta and, uh, the Nets and, and Bucks, th- those were good. The, the other ones, uh, they've been a lot of blowouts on, on the Western side. Um, and, and I think that's hurt a little bit. Well, I think it's, I think I'd say it's been surprised. Yeah. I think you're right. The East has been much more entertaining than I expected. And, and I'm a Western conference guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a Dubs fan and I love the Lakers as well. And I like the Suns, uh, uh, but they haven't been nearly as exciting as what we've seen in the East. Yeah. That son's in four guy. He's made a whole lot for himself out there. Um, <laughs> a guy that just beat the crap out of the other dude and, and then told him son's in four. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to Alabama politics and away yeah. from sports world. Uh, yeah. So I wrote a story this week about uh, Richie Horton, uh, who is missing $100,000 from his campaign account. And then I'll give you a brief synopsis here of uh, how I found out about it and um, and where we went and how it got to where it is and what, what's actually going on. So um, I, I guess probably three or four months ago, uh, Dustin Timbrook 
uh, who I quoted in the story, gave me a call and said, hey, I don't know if you're aware of this, but at that point he had made uh, he had made a post on Reddit that had gotten some popularity about what had happened at Red Brick Strategies where he was employed as the creative director. And, um, and he said, uh, you know, listen, uh, nobody has really investigated this. Uh, nobody is doing anything with this thing. So... I started looking around, about, you know, to see what, what exactly was going on. Um, and at a point, talked to uh, some various consultants uh, that are, you know, in the political world that work for uh, people. And, you know, I don't, uh, most people don't, don't really, you know, when you say that, people think, oh, well, you're just, you know, sources that just like to talk and things like that. But in, in this world of politics, there are a lot of people who work behind the scenes that you don't necessarily hear from, but who are ultra important to the yeah. workings of our government and who know way more than the people who you do hear from on a daily basis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, uh, one of those guys is a guy that went with Richie Horton, Steve Raby. Um, there's nobody in the, in the political world in Alabama who doesn't know Steve Raby. Uh, 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 he he works with a lot of people. He talks with a lot of people um, every day. There's a lot. He works with the with a speaker, uh, speaker of the house, Mike McCutcheon, and uh, and helps set the agenda for things. Helps talk to him about his campaigns. Works on a lot of campaigns and stuff. And so he knows a lot of people. And so yeah. uh, he, Richie went he was to, in the meeting that we had with Tommy Battle. Yeah. I think I, I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and so you know he right Raby is a well known guy. He gets around and uh, and he's a good guy. Uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like him. I think, I think pretty much everybody likes Steve Ray. Before. Yeah. I got nothing against Steve. Um, nothing yeah, at and all. so, um, you know, it's, uh, so when the basic story here is at a Richie Horton gets a phone call. Hey, R- Richie is a representative from North Alabama. He gets a phone call and says, Hey, uh, this is the speaker of the house office. Uh, Hey, w- we've just been contacted by your direct mail vendor. Uh, and they want to know why in the hell you're not paying their bill. Uh, they've been trying to get this money now forever, and they can't get any money out of you. Uh, pay your bill, man. What's going on? So Richie's confused by this because he's gone online and viewed uh, through the Secretary of State's website and viewed his uh, campaign finance reports. He knows that he's got about a hundred something thousand dollars in his campaign account, um, and so he can't figure out why this bill has not been paid. So he then starts to try to call and figure out what's going on. And he can't get his guy at Red Brick to answer the phone or talk to him or tell him anything. And so then he turns to uh, to Raby and to, to people in the party to try to figure it out. And uh, he, he Richie comes to find out. You know, he he suspects that somebody's stolen the money out of there. Uh, he get, he takes it to uh, to Raby, and Raby, who has a background in forensic economics, which is basically forensic accounting, but it's it's not it's a little bit different. Um, he can testify as a forensic accountant in the court case. Uh, he takes a look at all the documents and says, "Yeah, man, they, somebody's stolen all your money, and here's here's how it's happened. And it looks like it's Brent Willis and Red Brick Strategies who've taken the money out of this thing." And so uh, they take this and the evidence. And and first, I didn't put this in the story. They go to the DA in Madison County. And uh, the DA in Madison County basically says, I don't want any part of that shit. Uh, but in reality, he says, I, you know, this is going to end up with the AG's office anyways. Why don't you just take it to him? Uh, and, and so that's what they do. They go down and talk to the AG's office, talk to a couple of investigators and say, hey, you know, um, this is what we think's happened. Here's our checks. Here's our bank statements. Here's all the records that we have. Here's everything that we know about it. And oh, by the way, uh, we've, uh, Richie has been in contact with, with Trent Willis and he has admitted to taking the money, um, at that point. So in addition to that, they, um, they also talked to, uh, John Merrill's office, secretary of state, because they have, there's also been 13, um, fraudulent campaign finance reports filed, uh, because claim, because that's how Richie was checking this was, you know, and it was saying that they had all this money in there when there was no money in the, in the, in the account. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, uh, that's Merrill's office said, look, we took a look at it. Uh, but you know, ultimately we were told by another agency that they were handling it. And so that's where things ended up. And that was in 2018. And to date, nobody has been charged. Nobody, uh, there has been no investigation. Nobody has in- interviewed Richie Horton. Nobody has interviewed, uh, Steve Raby. Nobody has interviewed Dustin Timbrook from, from Red Brick. 
Um, nobody has subpoenaed the records uh, that they they offered them. Uh, so none of that has been done. As far as they know, there is no deal. And the and attorneys for Trent Willis have also made it, I'm sorry, attorneys for the state have told a court in North Alabama, in Limestone County, Limestone County Circuit Court, that there is no deal with Trent Willis that they have made with that office. And the reason they told him that is because Trent Willis is now a witness in the case against Sheriff Mike Blakely. And so uh, that's where we stand. And uh, that's that's what I know. And that's all I know about it uh, right. is that th- this is this happened. Nothing else happened. And everybody is confused by it. So so to summarize, you've got a case where someone is alleged to have stolen huge amounts of money from <laughs> a political campaign. Yes. But they have not been prosecuted. And your belief is that the reason they have not been prosecuted is because they are entangled in another case where their testimony has to be uh, kept as pristine as possible, as as uh, as unimpeachable as possible. I don't know if I would say that that is my belief. uh, Oh, okay. Um, I, I will say that is the belief of a lot of people. Okay. Uh, because to them, that is the only scenario that really makes sense in this. Um, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what in the hell to believe. Uh, honestly, hmm. I I think that I think maybe that it could be a combination of things. I think it could be a combination of having somebody who's well connected in, in Trent Willis uh, that has done work for a number of people in the Republican Party and uh, has some connections there. And and in addition to that, it's also very convenient for the AG's office to not move anything on him because they need him as a clean witness in this other case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe those two things are are combining factors. I mean, I know for a fact he is a witness in that case. I've seen the subpoena that, that went to him. Um, you know, I know that they told the court that there's no deal with Trent Willis uh, because I talked to two people who were in the courtroom when that took place. Um, you know, I don't know, honestly, I don't know what to think about it. I I really don't. I don't know why it's it's that way. Well, then let me ask you this. I mean, it's certainly, as I told you, as I've told you before, this is a fascinating story. And as somebody with a, a journalistic background, I find it very intriguing and it raises a lot of questions. But I'd like to hear from you as somebody who's really done the reporting on this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it should matter to Alabama taxpayers? Well, I think it should matter to Alabama taxpayers because you have that they elect the the attorney general, and you want to know that your attorney general is is actually prosecuting criminals for for theft, and that he's not playing political favorites, um, and that and especially if we're talking about an issue of putting more emphasis on going after a Democratic sheriff than prosecuting uh, a Republican ad agency, you know, uh, then I think you, you have, that's a big problem. You know, that is uh, political prosecution for the most part there. And so if that's what's taking place here, then that is a huge problem. Now I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying if that is in fact, cause that's what a lot of people bl- listen, uh, Horton believes it. Um, pretty much everybody I talk to believes that's what's taking place here is that they're high, they're covering for this guy. And listen, I've seen messages and text messages um, and things back and forth where uh, Richie and his wife and some other members of their family are discussing with other people what's taking place and the conversations that they had early on in this with the AG's office and with the Secretary of State's office. Um, and and they are completely confused by what, what took place here. Uh, they are completely to the point where it, it's entered the a- area of paranoia for Richie, where he believes that they're going to try to pin something on him. Uh, so Richie's a Republican. He is, yes, a, a a very very conservative Republican. Yes. So uh, that that raises, I mean, that makes it even more fascinating because you'd have to wonder why would they sacrifice a conservative Republican in the legislature for a, as you described it, a Republican a Republican owned ad agency. Why would the ad agency have more value? or the head of the ad agency have more value than a sitting conservative Republican in the legislature? Well, I don't know that they're necessarily, um, 
sacrificing Richie for the most part. Uh, but I think what. But you're saying that's doing, his, uh, you're saying that he's afraid they're going to pin something on. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that that. I think that that's just the natural progression of 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 how he's thinking about this because it's so odd. My point was it's so odd, but uh, compared to what they were told early on and how this thing went that now there's been no movement on this. And so he's starting to question whether or not they're actually going to start turning and coming on him for something here. I don't think that's what's going to happen at all. Okay. I, I don't think he's in any danger whatsoever. There's no way to really pin anything on him. He did everything the right way. All right. Listen, I've written very, very bad things about Richie Horton. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, I think I described one time uh, the elevator ride from hell that I took with Richie Horton mm. uh, because I had criticized him about some position he took with the AHSAA and he read it. And as I was going down the elevator at the state house, he hopped on. I mean, it was like one of those things out of a movie where I'm sitting on the elevator by myself. And then right as the doors start to close, an arm comes in and the door opens up and it's Richie and he gets on the elevator and I've got to ride all seven floors with Richie. Uh, so yeah, and he's great. cussing you out the whole oh, way. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's holding the paper up and pointing to things in it. <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, you know, so, so I, I, I'm, we do not align politically whatsoever. Here, right. Is what is my point. And if there was something to criticize Richie on, I would do so. He's did, he done everything right. He is, he's a small business guy, owns a pool company up in, you know, right above Huntsville. Uh, he, all he wanted to do out of this was he want, he said his campaign, he said, listen, on the high, on, in hindsight, it was stupid the way I set it up because I had no access to it. He said, but I wanted it that way so nobody would ever think I would take the money. Mm-hmm. He said, I just wanted it. I, I, I wanted to let somebody else run it. He had experience doing this. I wanted to stay out of it. I would check it periodically to make sure that there was money in there and everything was on the up and up and everything had been filed. He said, but otherwise, I just stayed out of it. And uh, he said, so he said, you know, that's that's how I wanted to do it. And he's like, you know, as soon as I found out about it, I called the secretary of state's office and talked to them about this. And we went down to the AG's like, listen, I don't know what else I could do. And so, uh, you know, and he said, so and, and then they were telling him about, you know, well, this looks like it. obviously it's theft. And I mean, you've got Raby there with a background in accounting telling you it's theft, man. This is what took place. And so, you know, I don't know what else that they could have done. And so. I think it, like I said, I don't know what's really going on here uh, because the other part of this, uh, and I mentioned it in the story, is Richie's not alone. There are other people who I think if you were building a case as the attorney general against Trent Willis, there are other people, other clients of his who would happily go on record saying that they were either stiffed by by Willis or that he outright committed some level of fraud uh, with them. Um, and I talked to I talked to a bunch of them uh, for this, and and there were um, there were some people who were very very angry. They didn't pursue it because they just didn't want the headache of it. Uh, he said most most of them were you know less than five thousand dollars or so, and so people thought, well, the hell with that. I'll spend that on attorneys' fees anyways, and right. uh, you know we don't and and it would just be a headache and probably put me at odds with the Republican Party or something, and uh, so you know. Here we are. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I really don't. I don't know what the deal is. I just think that um, I, maybe maybe the combination theory is is the best explanation for this. Hmm. Well, it it's it looks to me like it's a story that definitely bears following, and it just sounds like to me that there's some bodies buried somewhere. Somebody knows mm-hmm. something about these bodies being buried. And that that explains some of the unexplainable. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's something else at play uh, here. I think, and um, you know, maybe or maybe it's just as simple as, hey, we want, we got this guy as a witness. We want to keep him clean, uh, and we're going to prosecute him after that's over with. Maybe they have every intention of prosecuting him. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, maybe. I, as I said, as as I quoted a longtime consultant in the story, the normal track for that would be, hey. We're going to indict him, seal the indictment, and then we'll come back after this case is over with and and we'll have a plea deal uh, out of this. But we're going to seal the indictment to that point. Problem is, none of that has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, I, I don't think uh, I, it would be, as far as I can tell from talking to people who know what the hell they're talking about, and this is not from me, from talking to people who know what they're talking about, to do that, you would have to have uh, some level of investigation 
in which you subpoenaed these records, and those records have not been subpoenaed. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on, man. It's it's just the weirdest thing that, that I've I've ever seen. So, all right, all right. Let's uh, I'll tell you what. Let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back in in just a couple of minutes with, with uh, Councilman Billy Jackson and uh, and talk to him about some uh, some things going on uh, indicator and some things indicator that uh, relate to the rest of the state and then to the rest of America. So, all right, we're gonna slide out. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about the, uh, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or I mean, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. David Person, Josh Moon, and we are glad to have with us for this podcast episode, Billy Jackson, who is a longtime member of the city council of Decatur, Alabama. Billy, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you guys? We're good. 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 Glad to have you on. So uh, apparently, Billy, you all have some interesting political circumstances going on there in Decatur. And I want to start with something that is uh, some people might think is think is sort of benign, but but I know when you alerted me to it, I had questions about it. And I think a lot of other people will, too. Your mayor sent out a photo. I think I guess this was social media, right? It's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Posted yeah. a photo of himself as a young man with George Wallace. Yeah. What, what, what was the context for that? What is that about? You know, it would. It had to do with. Uh, I'm sure it had to do with Talladega because there were a lot of pictures of uh, Talladega going on and uh, uh, on on the uh, post as well. But I guess you know, other than that context, I really can't say. I, I don't know the purpose of that, and uh, I can uh, imagine what the purpose would be. But I, the purpose of, uh, to me, um, regardless of what your personal. Um, desires or your personal uh, preferences are, that's one thing. But when you represent an entire body and that picture could be construed as very offensive to uh, certain portions of your population, I, I don't see where that fits into the, uh, into a narrative. Uh, so, ta- so Tad Bowling is your mayor. What did, what did Bowling say? When, did anybody ask him about it? What did he say the reason was? I have not uh, directly asked him about that yet. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Tab and I just really, you know, we uh, we are cordial and uh, we will, uh, you know, uh, work on projects together where need be. But Tab and I just aren't uh, guys who are going to hang out together a lot. OK, so let me ask a, uh, one other question before Josh jumps in. Obviously, the symbolism, as you've indicated, raises a lot of questions that with little context or no context, the mayor of Decatur decides to post a picture of him and George Wallace together when he was a kid or when he was a younger man. Uh, what kind of, what kind of tone and style does mayor bowling, uh, does he, does he lead the city of Decatur with as it relates to race relations? You know, I think that, uh, it's a lot of, uh, I think that, you know, he and I have had some conversations regarding race, regarding uh, certain issues that impact um, my district. As you are well aware, David, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time. And I've been a member of the council for 25 years, actually, and uh, the longest serving member in the history of our city. And, you know, so I represent a minority population that, uh, and so we have those conversations from time to time. But from my perspective, I see our mayor as being a guy who will uh, stay uh, as much hands off as he possibly can. Um, I, I see him as a guy who's going to tr- try to ride the middle of the fence and not try to 
irritate or offend. Uh, I won't say offend because this picture is offensive, uh, but it will try to stay out of um, the um, out of a, a mainstream situation or conversation. Or, or at times, in my opinion, he has uh, sort of tried to uh, you know lick his finger, stick it up in the air, and see which uh, direction the wind is blowing in before he takes a position on things. So it's not only that with uh, race or uh, race, but it's like that with most issues with, uh, with, with regard to this mayor, as, as far as I see it. No, I, I as I mentioned before we, we started recording here, I, I grew up in Decatur. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my parents and all of my family still live in Decatur. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I'm fairly you know familiar. Obviously, I'm, I'm a white guy uh, there, and so I'm... I don't. I have. I've approached things from from that perspective uh, for the most part. Uh, even though I, I do my best, uh, you know, to to not be an ignorant white guy. Uh, but you know, I've read a lot of things over the course of the last you know couple of years. I guess uh, you had the incident with with Mr. Penn at the at the liquor store, uh, hit at his store uh, where a police officer punched him. Uh, had the other issues with uh, the elderly housing. Uh, there that were, I mean, just blatantly discriminatory. Uh, I mean, you couldn't, you, I mean, it was they literally had a quote from a guy in this story that said, well, the black people don't like to live in the nice riverfront apartments, which all, so all the black people went, what? What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> and uh, so I guess is it, are there more, because I don't, and, and you correct me if any time, if I, if I say something wrong here, but I don't get the sense that a lot of people feel that there are a lot of racial issues indicator, but, or, or maybe they're more under the surface than, than we're seeing, or is it just ignorance on, on the white community part? I think that the racial issues are prevalent. Uh, I think that they exist. Um, you talked about the Kevin Penn situation, mm -hmm. and David asked me a few minutes ago, what was the mayor's position on that? And pretty much what the mayor said was, this is a, a pending legal issue, so we've got to you know, stay away from that. Mm -hmm. um, and my position at that particular time, and as recorded in the Decatur Daily, if, you, if that's what you're getting your source of information from, you were, you'll recall that I said that at that, immediately that officer should have been terminated. Mm -hmm. uh, the situation was under control. It was, um, there was a supervising officer there on the scene uh, had started putting his weapon away. He was closest to the uh, Mr. Penn. Mm -hmm. And um, when uh, he started putting his gun away, uh, his weapon away, then the officer comes out and hits Mr. Penn. Um, and Mr. Penn's unaware that this guy's coming at him, breaks his jaw, uh, and then the other officers pounce on him. And they charge him in his own store when he called them to the scene because someone had, uh, had uh, started trying to steal something from his store. That's one incident. Um, you, you talked about the housing authority uh, situation. Our mayor actually appoints the board. It's not a council appointment. It's a mayoral appointment to the housing authority board as to uh, the data, well, not the day-to-day -day operation, but the overseeing of the, uh, the operation of it itself. But in that regard as well, it was a, a hands-off situation, as I, as I mentioned earlier, not a lot of comment from the mayor. Um, you know, people call for that board to be removed and, and let's start all over with a new board. Of course, he didn't go along with that. But that's pretty much the, the, uh, the, the approach that our mayor takes when it comes to race. Am I saying he's racist? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, there are some things that might indicate that. And, and so, I, again, I don't know him that well. But the fact is, is that uh, when it comes to racial issues where he has a chance to weigh in, and say, look, this is not the direction that we need to move in, or we, we're going to do better than this in the city of Decatur. Um, he chooses to remain silent. You know, Decatur has has grown in population uh, since I don't know how long it's been since you lived here, but it's grown in population over the past you know few decades. It's grown in uh, geography, uh, geographically, it's grown, but socially, we've not really grown, and we we do things. And I think that, you know, we just got to take things for granted uh, that they're going to get better. And, and they really don't. Um, you know, so we, you know, we had a, a council member uh, who you probably read that if you keep up with our news stories, too, where he actually said that he was going to go down to the Black Matters, uh, Black, Ladders, Black Lives Matters, excuse me, march and run over some some people at, at, when, at the Galleria when they mm -hmm. were doing uh, when they were protesting there. And again, 
you know, you can call for a guy's resignation, um, but, you know, if you don't have the support of the community and you don't have the support of, of the council body, it's not going to really go anywhere. But that guy sh has no business, in my opinion, being on um, being on a city council, not only here, but anywhere. And so that's kind of that things like that uh, and other things like we've talked about um, earlier in this conversation and, and many other things, they kind of set the tone for where we are as, as a city. And, you know, we can talk about growth. We can talk about how we need to advance and, and our city needs to grow and, and uh, opportunities that we have. But until we start getting over those hurdles, we can place the blame on our school system. We can place the blame on uh, aesthetics. We can place it on a lot of different things. But I think a lot of people are not going to choose to live in a situation when, in an environment where they can read that these type of things are going on. That's just my personal perspective. Yeah, it, I'll tell you, uh, too, it, it seems like Decatur is a um, is a very diverse uh, and a more diverse city than it was when I left. Um, obviously, you know, there's a growing Hispanic population there. Uh, and um, and it seems like it was um, it, it, it seems like there's an opportunity there for Decatur to be uh, uh, kind of a uh, an inclusivity uh, you know, to have the inclusivity that's that's missing with a lot of cities because you have almost a, I don't say equal, but a more equal distribution of population there among uh, you know among uh, race groups and 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 it and of you know you would think of of some level of opportunity there you know and especially in education circles because there's not you know I come you know, I spent most of the last several years in Montgomery where uh, private schools are you know yeah that's where all of the the white folks ran to all the private schools and all these these things where you don't necessarily have that that over abundance of of private schools in Decatur and so you're going to have a a commingling of people in in the public school system and you would think that that would be an opportunity to to bring people together it it, it doesn't am I wrong in saying it doesn't seem to be the case well it doesn't seem to be the case how long have you been uh away from Decatur I've been uh, I I left in the early 2000s so okay. I've been about 20 years yeah we have a uh, we're just like any other community we have a great opportunity to expand uh, our relationships. We have a great opportunity to kind of overcome some of the issues that we're dealing with. But I think in more cases than not, um, you know, I, I know that Mr. Penn is going to be on your show in a couple of weeks. And so I don't want to go too deep into that. But, you know, it's just like that particular situation that happened, uh, you know, a year or so ago. We sort of, you know, we want to let those things just kind of die out. And you can't, in, in my opinion, uh, and I've lived in Decatur my entire life. In my opinion, you can't just allow an issue to sort of die out. You have to address that issue. You have to meet it face to face. You have to have the lead your leadership address those issues. And uh, that's what I don't see here. I, I, and, and it is my opinion, and and you might see it differently, but I think that we have a very small faction of people who uh, actually run our city. And it's not the council. It's not the mayor. Uh, you have these uh, a small group of people who have basically uh, run our city for years and they elect those mayors and they elect those council members. And I think that they are quite content in having our council turnover every year and have very young and inexperienced people come in each and every term so that, you know, you know, our policies are kind of going to the wayside. Things that kept the cater uh, in a very, very fluid and, and good, good posture for so many decades are now kind of going away because the people who come in and the people who take the leadership roles on our council and our mayor seat, they don't know about those policies. And, you know, and, and we get rid of the people who can act as conduit to the past, from the past to today. And those policies kind of start to fade away. And then what is unnatural for this city becomes the norm. And so those people, in my opinion, again, it's not a, a, um, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't think it's anything about from a city perspective as far as paranoia or something like that, it, it, but it is, it, you just see it happening over and over and over again. So I think that the people who, I, who I'm actually speaking of, and we won't address that directly, but they want, they want the, uh, I want to say ignorance, if you will, uh, of, of a new council to come in and we've got to start all over and then we can cozy up to them and they'll do, they'll give us our funding and they'll give us our appropriations and They'll do our projects. And then, you know, when as, as maybe they start to learn or catch on a little bit better as to how things maybe should be, 
then, you know, we, we change councils. And that's been pretty much since about, um, I guess, the last 12, 15 years, that's how it's been. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Decatur is a, a different dynamic. And I always say that Decatur is different from any other city in our nation. It, it really is. And, and, but we have so much potential. We have so much opportunity here. Um, it could be a really, really great place, uh, a diverse place. You talked about the diversity. When I grew up, we grew up in segregated communities um, where we had North, basically Northwest Decatur was all black. Mm -hmm. And Southeast and Southwest Decatur and Northeast Decatur were nearly all white. Mm -hmm. uh, you had some portions of Southeast Decatur that were black communities and small portions like uh, a Cedar Lake community that was in Southwest Decatur was uh, uh, black, but they were very small portions of those communities. And now we're diverse. Mm -hmm. We have in every community, you know, a few years ago, well, a couple of years ago, I ran for um, the Alabama House. Mm -hmm. And as I walked through District 5, which is far southwest Decatur, it was it was an eye-opening experience for me to, to realize how many Black people live in, the, in, in this community yeah. and in, in this district. And it's like that throughout our, our city now. So again, we have a great opportunity uh, we don't have an influx of people moving into our city, but the people who are moving into our city have an opportunity to kind of uh, share with us, you know, where the ideas from where they come from. And I think sometimes we just kind of push those ideas aside because we're fine like we are. So, and, and of course, I was being facetious with that, but we're fine like we are. We don't need to change and we can just keep going down the same path that we've already always gone down. Um, you, you did something, Billy, that I've never heard an elected official do before, and that's acknowledge the existence of what, what I would call power brokers in the shadows who really call the shots and who influence things. Since you've been so candid, I'm going to ask you to be, and I know you don't want to name names of people, but mm -hmm. I want you to talk about with some, with, with the same level of candor the process, because a lot of people who will hear this probably have had their own suspicions in their own communities about who's really calling the shots and how some people come up to be in power and others don't and how some stay in power when others don't. Why don't you talk about the process uh, that 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 enables unelected people with money and influence to control what happens in a city. I think, David, uh, in my opinion, and again, it's that, it's that thing that you never can, uh, you might know who some of these people are, but it's not something that you can actually just put your finger on and, and say, this is exactly what it is. And, but I think that it's, there's a legacy involved in this. You know, I, I hear people talking all the time, well, a lot of these old people are, are dying out and, you know, it's gonna change. But you know, those things are passed down to their kids and they, they grew up in that same environment and now their kids and their, um, their nieces and their nephews or whatever, they become those, uh, those power brokers who have the same financing background, who have the same influences because they run in the same circles. So it, it's continual uh, uh, effect. And the way that it stays in, in place is because, like I said before, you know, we had three council members and a mayor, if you've ever heard of this before, uh, it was my first time ever hearing of it. We have a five-member council, and we have a mayor. It's called a strong council, weak mayor form of government. We had three of our sitting council members now and our current mayor who all had the exact same campaign manager. I mean, go mm -hmm. figure. Mm -hmm. I, I, how have you ever heard of that before? No. So now are we going to think that there is not some element behind that, that uh that process of having all of these candidates who we get elected, having the same um, uh, campaign manager, having the same goals and, and right. having the same issues, having the same things that they want to address. Uh, you know, so, all of these things, uh, you know, happen for, I mean, because they happen of, for a reason. Yeah, they yeah. happen mm -hmm. for a reason. So let me let me ask you one follow up here that I hope will get to the heart of this, because uh, I think, again, people for you to be as candid as you've been, I think people need to hear a little bit more. Are we talking about the typical kinds of stuff? Like, for example, uh, shared secrets. You know, somebody's gay and, 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 and they know it and the other people don't and the rest of the world doesn't know it. So that's what keeps, you know, this person 
in a position of power because they know that somebody powerful is gay or they know somebody powerful, you know, likes to wife swap or they know somebody powerful has been stealing money or they're or they're all in the same uh, fraternal organization or they're secretly related to each other by blood and everybody doesn't know it. Is that the kind of stuff we're talking about? Well, I, I don't know that uh, that would be it, uh, David, because the things that you're talking about would allow somebody to keep their thumb down or their finger down on somebody to make them cooperate and to do things a certain way. But so is that what makes it work? I, I can't say that that's the case. I just the the, the fact is very simply that, um, you know, there have been even even with former council members, uh, we have had former council members threatened. Uh, you know, and, and if you don't do such and such, you know, this is the this is going to be the, um, you know, what happens. So, again, you know, it, I can't necessarily say that that's what's going on. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, the outcome is is fairly obvious. And yeah. so but, but you, you know, would, but I think you I think you'd agree, though, that those kinds of secrets are the kinds of secrets well, that enable people to rise to power and perhaps stay in power. That that might be the case, but that would those secrets. If 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 I knew that about you, David, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily rise to power. But I could put my finger on you and say, you know, this is where you stay, and you're going to mm-hmm. help me get to where I want to be. Sure, now, yeah, that might yeah. be a situation. That yeah, might that, be a better way. There was a um, uh, there, and this was kind of the thing that I was going to get to uh, here because there was an incident in the last council election in which uh, a sitting member of the council was threatened. Uh, there yes. was a very, there was a very public tape that came out, um, uh, or there allegedly there was a recording, but I don't think anybody ever got to the recording, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and broadcast it, but there, there were some people who heard it, uh, of a message left on a councilwoman's um, uh, <laughs> voicemail and, um, uh, and it threatened, uh, it threatened her in, in very specific ways about things. And, and it, that that particular election, and and I was good, this was my question was it seemed what was driving that was uh, this three M deal, um, that was that was uh, yeah, and 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 trying to get people on board so that they could create a deal with three M. Who uh, I don't know if you know this or not, David, but three M is currently paying the lawyer fees for the city of Decatur, uh, which does not create. <laughs> Kind of the uh, yeah. the uh, uh, the balance that you would like there, uh, but um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's and, and I, if I'm also not mistaken, Decatur just yesterday for the first time claimed to be a plaintiff in this case mm-hmm. uh, against 3M. Uh, but you know how much is is that 3M deal impacted this this council and the past elections? And are you confident that the city council and the mayor's office are going to come to an agreement that is beneficial to the city? Um, I think that the impact that it's had on our, excuse me, the impact that it's had is proportionate to other things that have gone on. It's not the end all be all. There are other things that impacted as much as the 3M uh, situation does. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's big, it's important. It's something that's kind of, uh, setting the tone to a lot of the things that we have going on here. Um, uh, and do, am I confident that this council and this mayor will resolve this for the, in the best interest of our citizens? I'm not, I, uh, I think that there are too many moving wheels. I think that, um, there are too many, um, uh, people who are being impacted by this. Um, and I do think that uh, this is a, it's an unfortunate situation for our community, but it's, an, it's a golden opportunity for us to um, fix some of the damage that's been done. It's a golden opportunity for us to replace some of the things that have been impacted by this. It's a golden opportunity for some of the people who have been impacted by this uh, 3M situation to be um, made whole again. Um, and, you know, we have neighboring, we have communities that border right up to that Brookhaven uh, school. Yes. Yeah. And we don't know the impact. And I talked to those, because that's part of my district. I talked to those residents and they don't know the impact of, of, of what this 3M situation has done to them. So, you know, this is a, a it's an unfortunate situation that's happened, 
but it provides us with an opportunity to correct a lot of things and make sure that our city is is um, as as well off or better than we were when we intended when we started these projects when we started an aquadome when we started a, a Brookhaven Middle School when we began with those processes it, you know it, it gives us an opportunity to make those situations whole again and so yeah but 3M impacts you know what we do and 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 3M type situations impact what we do uh, and 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 the direction that the city moves in and. Again, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate. We have a great, great opportunity to, um, we're never going to be a Huntsville. Mm-hmm. We're never going to be a Birmingham. But we have a great opportunity to have a very clean, wholesome city that can move forward and do a lot of really good things. And, and, and again, a lot of people move to Decatur because they don't want a Huntsville. Right. And, and, and they don't want to be in a Birmingham type situation. So, you know, we've got a lot of pluses here. And a lot of the pluses here are the thing are the things that we don't have that maybe Huntsville has. Uh, sometimes you know you want to get away from that. Uh, I was in Huntsville yesterday, and I don't know how you guys deal with the four thirty five o'clock traffic. I, I just don't. I just don't. If I'm stuck on the Beltline for uh, you know five minutes, it's like oh man, the the, the world's coming to an end. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I, so I don't I don't relish. You know the, the the lifestyle that you guys have in Huntsville, but well, I, you know, I I remember what it's like to be stuck in uh, traffic in L.A., D.C., and uh, Atlanta. Man. That's how I get through it. Okay, <laughs> because it's a million times worse. We come to come to rush hour indicator, uh, David, and and it, it's like you're gonna say this is. I mean, this is this is great compared to what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I love the things that Decatur has to offer. Um, I don't like a lot of the uh, lot of things that happen that create situations for us, um, but it, it, it is uh, it's home for me. And sometimes people will say, well, why would you speak out on these things? You know, and I always just look at it that I don't have a choice. I'm an elected representative. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a politician by any stroke of the imagination, never have been. And maybe that's what people don't necessarily care for me, care about me um care for about me but i am an elected representative and i represent a minority population that is often impacted by the decisions that we make and when if i don't speak up on those things then they don't get spoken on and so it's not when i when i choose to not speak on those things then it's time for me to leave this office which is probably about that time anyway but it's time for me to leave this office and and i never should have been in that office if i'm not willing to to speak out on the issues that I feel impact people who I represent. Yeah. Well, and you live there, uh, yeah. you know, and it's why I tell people, you know, I live here too, and I'd like for it to be the best that it can be. And I, and as good as I want it for me, I want it for the the person that lives next door to me, you know? That's uh, true. Yeah. So why, why, you know, why would I not want everything to be as good as possible? I mean, that's, you know, that's just how it is. Common sense. But, you know, I'm a seventh generation person here and uh, we are, and, and if and I keep going back to the fact that you read the Decatur Daily. You're better than I am. Um, but the, the thing is, is that they recently did a story of my family and how we were descendants from uh, President Andrew Jackson, who was a slave owner. He brought mm-hmm. his slaves here. And I'm a direct descendant from that. But we've been here that long. So it, it, it's like I want Decatur to, to thrive and to do well and for our economy to boom and for people to want to live here. But, uh, you know, again, um, there are things that, um, and David talked about the undercurrent, but you know, there are things that we just need to uh, do better at. And I'm sure that that it goes on in a lot of communities in most communities probably, but in a smaller community, sometimes it's more noticeable. Well, listen, I, 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 you know, having grown up there, uh, you know, I would love to see it uh, be as, uh, and it's still, I'm there all the time, uh, you know, with, uh, with the grandparents and and everything of of my little girl. And uh, it's a, uh, I love the city, and uh, I would like to see it do as well uh, as it possibly can. But we we really appreciate you coming on uh, and, and well, spending time with us, and uh, and shedding some light on 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 several different issues here that I think people have heard a lot about. But you know, maybe don't get a lot of recognition outside of the Decatur Daily, which apparently only I read. Uh, and so, uh, 
So, uh, but, yeah, I know. It's uh, so listen. It's just down to just me uh, at this point. But uh, we, listen, uh, Mr. Jackson, we we really do appreciate it, and uh, and and hopefully we can get you back on again at a later date, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on, and like I said, David and I go way back. Yeah, and uh, long time, bunch of times, and man, I was uh, telling David the other day that um, I dated myself by saying that. You know, when we had Chris Bell over here, and you probably don't know anything about Chris Bell, and David does. <laughs> yeah, but very well. Chris Bell, this Chris Bell used to be the correspondent who used to cover our Decatur City Council meeting. Yeah. But it added a perspective that was not only the Decatur Daily perspective. It added that perspective that, uh, you know, other Huntsville Times, the Huntsville Times perspective. And it showed other people what Chris's per, uh, perception was of what we were doing in our council meeting. And yeah. he asked a lot of questions, and he, and he delved into a lot of different issues. and. And, and that was kind of why I reached out to David, because I think that's important. I think it's important that we have more than one perspective, you know, being our, our social media. And, and, and let's be real. Um, we have WHNT and, and uh, 1931 and 48 and 54. But a lot of the information that they get, where do they get it from? They get it daily. So yeah. it, it's kind of interesting uh, that the perspective is just kind of a guided one. And so I, I, I would uh, love to have. Uh, different uh, people come in and look at our city and, and expose uh, or bring out some of the things, even the attributes that we have for the city. I, I, I want the positive brought out as well as those things that uh, aren't negative, uh, aren't necessarily so positive. So I think that that's the only way that we get to change uh, and move in a more positive direction. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And it's a shame the, the news business has, has, you know, been reduced, I guess, uh, you know, and, but uh, because we do miss those those sorts of insights and that sort of uh, unbiased and unvarnished opinion of a lot of different places, but it's you know and, until somebody can figure out how to make that thing make money, I don't know if that's going to work, you know. So, but hey, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, maybe Billy, maybe thanks, what man. we've done is is it will help a little bit. We'll see, you know. Hey, you All guys right. have a good day and All enjoy right. it, and we'll do it soon. Thanks. All right, sir. Thank you, Thank Mr. You. Jackson. That's uh, he's uh, very good. Uh, and yeah. and he's right in the, in the perspective of uh, you know what he talked about of, of being a representative for the community there, and that's it's very important to have those, those folks there speak up and, and talk out. But all right, we're gonna slide out. Uh, we'll come back in uh, just a minute to wrap this thing up. It's all about politics this week. All righty. Welcome back in Alabama Politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person, wrapping this thing up. Hey, before uh, before we move along, I did want to remind everybody, we are going to take a brief hiatus uh, the next couple of weeks here uh, and uh, and come back in, in late July and uh, and and get back going. Uh, but, uh, you know, listen, everybody needs a break and uh, we'll, we're going to we're going to take one. So and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but uh, so, how about that? Uh, <laughs> Josh has got to get his he's got to get his vitamin C S E A Y S E A rather S E A yeah S E A yeah I'm I'm going to the beach man and yeah. I'm going to be there for a little while yeah. uh, so uh, that's and and I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, <laughs> no. Hey, uh, speaking of some folks that went to the uh, went to the other sea, went to the other coast, uh, the SPLC Southern Poverty Law Center went out uh, and their action fund went out to uh, to California. Uh, last week and uh, protested at Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, and Northrop Grumman um, against Mo Brooks, against their contributions to Mo Brooks. And what they what they wanted to do, uh, the, these four companies have uh, donated you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to Brooks over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure that those people uh, owned up to their promises uh, of either stopping political donations going forward or uh, not contributing to people who were directly responsible for the January 6th riots and insurrection. Uh, yeah. And obviously Mo Brooks was directly responsible for some of that. Um, uh, you know, he helped perpetuate the big lie gave the nice rally speech uh, and according to some even helped plan the, the event itself. So uh, they wanted to make sure that that, that occurred. And I'll, I'll say this was immediately written off by Republicans in, in this state. Uh, who know jack shit about jack shit about uh, that saying that this is the Southern Poverty Law Center and Republicans don't care and why and they'll never be a factor in a Republican race. I say that is nonsense. 
And I'll tell you why, because the people in California definitely care yep. about the Southern Poverty Law Center and about what the Southern Poverty Law Center does in a protest with them. And if they go in there, as they are currently doing, and start working with the CEOs and executives of those companies to uh, to limit, even limit what they give to Mo Brooks, that is a big, big problem for Mo Brooks because he is already exactly. the candidate that businesses in Alabama do not like. The business community in Alabama are going to put their support behind Katie Britt. Uh, that's where all the big mules are going to go. Mm-hmm. And so if he is also then cut off from these defense contractors, mm-hmm. uh, that is a big, big problem, I believe. And I would like to have your no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it, it may not matter to uh, the rank and file Republicans here, but it definitely is going to matter to most donors. And it's going to have an impact on his ability to campaign beyond his core base. And, and you know, they may think, they may think that he can, and when I say they, I mean, uh, you know, the Mobrooks campaign may think that he's the front runner uh, now and solid, but you know, watch that money dwindle. Then we'll see if yeah. he's really the front runner. Yeah. yeah, it's you know that's it's easy to be the front runner when when very few ads have been run mm-hmm. uh, and bought. Uh, you know, and and I think that uh, they're going to have to be pretty smart in the Brooks campaign. Uh, and that's, those are not words that typically go together. Uh, smart and Mo Brooks, <laughs> uh, and and they're going to have to be very smart about how they spend money and where they target money. And I'm not sure they're disciplined enough to do that and to carry on a campaign like he's going to need to carry on against a very, very well-funded person who's going to present herself if she is at all competent in this job. She's going to present herself as the sane, solid choice for the Republican Party uh, against Mo Brooks. And, you know, I mean, if if she does that, it's tough. Yeah, that's what we expect without question. Yeah. Well, that's a, I I think that that's the only way that, that, that she can win, but you know, and that's Katie Britt is who I'm, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't give uh, Lindy Blanchard much of a chance. On- uh, no, I don't either. I'd be stunned if she, if she was even remotely competitive, I'd be stunned. Yeah, I, I would too. I would too. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's do a right wing nut. All I'm right. ready for vacation. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, our, uh, our right wing nut, uh, and we probably had him as a right wing nut before in the past. We have. Uh, we have, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's Florida Congressman Matt Gates, uh, soon to be felon Matt Gates, um, hmm. and his performance this week uh, at a hearing with uh, uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman uh, Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, uh, and with the Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, who is from from the state uh, or went to went to Auburn anyway. Um, he. Uh, first of all, he tried to make an issue out of critical race theory and out of the military being quote unquote woke. Um, and I, Mark Milley, and listen, I, this is what I would like to do. I, I, at this point, I think we ought to just p- play the clip of Mark Milley talking during this hearing. On the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually. Uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university, uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. uh, And I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being 
when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. He honestly gives one of the best uh, overviews and, and reasonings for critical race theory and the necessity of it and, and what you gain from learning about people and your community and, and your surroundings, even if you're learning about things you don't agree with. Right. That it is, listen, I'll tell you this. There is nobody who should know better about this than the U.S. military who went into Iraq and had no idea about Sunni and Shiites and got their ass handed to them for a while over this thing because they didn't understand the inner workings of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that the, they were beating their ass militarily, but they didn't understand how to make peace in that region right. But uh, right. over this uh, because they didn't understand the dynamics between those two groups of people. And so that's what we're talking about, man. And so, I mean, his Millie's comments are fantastic. In, in the middle of this clip, you, you can see on the TV cuts, Matt Gates shaking his head, uh, emphatically shaking his head, as though that moron knows more about the military and the inner working of the military than Mark Milley does. Well, uh, and, 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 not only, and not only does he look stupid for that reason, but to me he looks stupid because it's like he doesn't even know the history of the U.S. military. The U.S. military actually... Uh, outside of the organized civil rights movement, the U.S. military was the entity that led the nation in integration. You know, I mean, going back to, uh, what was it, 1940, I want to say it was 48. I think it was 1948 when the when the Army first integrated. It was either 48 or something close to 48. I mean, so, you know, the, the Army has always, uh, the military has always been at the forefront of trying to lead in this particular area. So why would he think that a leader in the military would have any other perspective than that with all of that? Well, history? it's to me, uh, this, this line that people have, have walked on, on the GOP side of things where they have denigrated the U S military, uh, and, and tried to make it seem as though inclusion and diversity training and things like that have weakened the, the military instead of making it stronger which it's, it's nonsense. Um, and, and, you know, I, it plays to a certain crowd of, of macho morons out there, I guess. And, uh, but anybody with half a working brain understands how this works. And, and that's why I think what Millie said, said to them was so, so perfect. Uh, and, and later, uh, in the day, uh, Lloyd Austin also didn't hold back from, from him. Uh, and telling him he didn't have any idea what the hell he was talking about when he talking about the you know he, uh, Gates tried to tell him that there was problems within the uh, you know with the rank and file soldiers and and Austin said you don't have any idea what you're talking about basically and and it's and it's true it's like with all things Matt Gates he doesn't have anything he doesn't know anything about what he's talking about and it always benefits him to say it and so that's where we are but I think that's a pretty good way to end this and to go on vacation because it'll give you something to think about and I want you to think about it for the next two weeks alright <laughs> nothing but this for the next two weeks or three weeks next three weeks alright think about it so alright we're gonna slide out of here until we come back uh, from a little vacation here y'all be safe out there peace peace